What is the answer for a lost world? What is the answer for rampant celebrated sin? What is the answer for violent disagreeable people? What is the answer for those who embrace, promote, and even teach non-truth? What is the answer for those who hate Christians, hate the Bible, hate our Savior Jesus? What is the answer for those who revel in worldliness and laugh at faith as a weak crutch? What is the answer for the Mormon, for the Muslim, for the atheist, the same? What is the answer for those that would lie and steal and cheat, those that would take your phone or your wallet if you leave it out in plain sight? What is the answer for those who human traffic or commit the vilest of crimes? What is the answer for a lost world? The answer is Jesus. Do we really believe that? For all of those people, is it really the answer for all of those people able to redeem all of them? Did you listen to the list? Able to save all of them, all of those people? Is Jesus really the answer? Friend, I want to tell you this morning the truth of the gospel is just like Jesus is our answer, just like Jesus is my answer, there is no person for whom Jesus is not the answer. But here's the thing. If that is true, and if we really believe that, then we have to know this morning, we have to be sure that it is our job, it is our duty to tell them of their answer. If we claim that's the answer, if we say that is the answer, then it is our duty to tell them of their answer. Today our message is entitled, Always Ready. Always Ready. Today we're in one verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always Ready. Ready. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, says this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. I'm going to read the verse again. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we rejoice on this day. We rejoice on this Lord's day. We rejoice in the day we celebrate a risen Savior, a living hope. We rejoice over the testimony of baptism. Lord, I pray that these two find a church of people that surround them, that teach them, that train them, that walk with them, that love them, that share with them. And I pray that together we point to Jesus Christ. Together we are pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that it would truly be a tremendous time, not a normal time, not a time that we would expect, not a time that we would check off or endure but a time when the living God would speak through his own word that you tell us is living and active, relevant today. Lord, speak to us in this hour. Shape us, build us, equip us in this hour. And I pray all of that 
would point to you. All of that would bring much glory to you. Lord, we come and say we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for our church. We're thankful for your word, your truth. We're thankful for rain that you've sent upon our land. We're thankful for all the good and gracious things that you've kindly shown us. We're thankful for a future that's secure in Christ. We're thankful for there's a day coming when there will be no sun, no need of a lamp, for Jesus will be the light. Lord, we're thankful for that. We trust all of it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today, maybe you've noticed it is in vogue or it is in fashion uh, to be a person that has a cause. Uh, Notice today, there are a lot of folks that are seeking to change the world. You watch our world today, there's folks and they've taken up a cause and they're seeking to change the world. They seek to repair the world, to set right its wrongs and make it a better place. Now, they may have a different idea, but that's their deal. They find a cause and they're seeking to save the world. Now, some of those folks, they think education is the way, and so they promote education, and they invest in education. Others think that it's to repair social injustices that go on in our land, and they stand for those causes. There are others that think our world will be better if poverty were done away with, and so they seek to find a way to deal or to end poverty. There's all sorts of people chasing, promoting all sorts of ways to repair what is wrong in the world. I want to tell you there's a problem, and here is the problem. The problem is this. They have missed what is wrong with the world. And we can list all the causes they're involved in. We can list all the things they'd like to repair, but they've actually missed what is wrong with the world. You see, they are dealing only with symptoms. Now, these things are terrible. These things need repair, but they're just symptoms of the true problem. It's like the flu. You ever had the flu? You take Advil, and your symptoms might get better. You take a couple Advil, you take three or four of those things, and and maybe you start to feel a little better for a little while. But guess what? You still have the flu. Guess what? You know what's still coming. Well, understand, what is wrong today We see all of these symptoms. What is wrong today is sin. And that sounds kind of crazy to say. That sounds pretty easy. Well, it's just that. The problem today is sin. It is rebellion against God. It is rejecting God. It is doing our own thing to the neglect of God. The problem today with all of these symptoms is sin. And then we can be sure this morning, if that is the problem, if the problem is sin, there is only one answer, there's only one remedy for sin, and that is Jesus. There's only one answer, the answer is Jesus. I was thinking about that. Remember back in Matthew, with the announcement of the coming of Jesus, in the fullness of time, the announcement comes the announcement of the coming of Jesus, it says this, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Listen, Jesus is the remedy for sin. Jesus is the savior for sinners. Jesus is the answer for sin and all of its consequences. But an answer 
doesn't help if you never find the answer. Now listen, that's just logical. That's how it works. There is an answer. The answer is Jesus. But as with any problem, the answer doesn't help if you never find the answer. And so Peter instructing these people living in a lost culture, that's what they're doing, living in a lost world, he tells them of their duty, that's what this verse is, he tells them of their mission to tell the lost world of the answer. Friends, be sure this morning that stands for us as well today. We live in a lost world. We live in a lost culture. Our world is suffering apart from the truth of Jesus Christ. And listen, this wasn't just for them. This wasn't an instruction only for them. This stands for us today as well. We have a duty. We have a mission to tell the lost world the answer that we have in Jesus Christ. This morning we have just one single verse. Carrie said last night we're never going to get to 2 Peter. But we will get to verse 15. We will get there. We have one single verse, verse 15. Let's look at this verse. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Now, there's a lot in that verse. There's a lot as we move through it. I'm going to read it again. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Yet with gentleness and reverence. In verse 14, Peter ends and he says, you may suffer for righteousness. You may suffer for doing good. That's how he ends verse 14. He says, you may suffer for acts of righteousness, for doing good, but God sees and God knows. And he says, the promise is, God will bless you in it. Therefore, do not be intimidated. Therefore, do not be troubled. That's what he says. God sees you. God knows the hardship. He is with you. You are serving with, with, for his honor. And so do not be fearful do not be intimidated. Do not be troubled by the world. That's verse 14. Then verse 15 starts, but. Don't do that, verse 14, but do this, verse 15. So here we go. Verse 14, don't be intimidated. Don't be troubled. God sees you. Don't do that. But verse 15, do this. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. This is a big deal. One phrase, big deal. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. This is the starting place. Sanctify means to set apart, to treat as holy or different, to set apart, to establish. So it says, don't do that, but sanctify, set apart. Then it says Christ, Christ. Now I want you to notice here, this is not the name Jesus. Now, that is intentional. That is deliberate. It's not the name Jesus. This is the title given to Jesus that describes the person and the work of Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. Well, so it doesn't refer to Jesus by his name. It refers to him by his office, who he is, 
what he does. Now, the Christ, understand, is the Messiah. The Christ is the Savior from God. God himself fully God, man also fully man, promised by God, sent by God as the remedy for sin. As soon as sin enters in, there is a promised remedy, the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. The Christ was again promised by God, foretold of by the prophets, and then fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene born in Bethlehem. So understand this morning, in this title, it is talking about the totality of the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. And so the verse says, but so set aside the Savior, Christ. Then it goes on, as Lord, as Lord. Now this is a big deal as well. Lord means ruler. And so this means you set aside the Christ as Lord. He is the Lord. He rules. He leads. That means you submit, you follow. When we receive Jesus by faith as the Christ, as the Savior, we follow him, we relate to him as the Lord. We submit to Jesus as Lord. Next it says, in your hearts. Now this is important as well. This is a big deal as well. Now I want you to understand this. Be sure of this. Get this. Jesus is Lord. He is. Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the Lord of all. Whether you acknowledge it or not, Jesus is the Lord. This is saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. You see, Jesus is the Lord, whether you make him that in your life or not. He stands as the Lord. This is different. This is saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, I see who you are. Jesus, I know what you've done. Jesus, I love you. I want to please you. I want to walk in obedience. And so as best I can, and in, in your power, you are my Lord. Now, let me tell you a couple things right here. If you know who Jesus is, truly know who he is, you'll want him to be your Lord. And some folks say, well, I put, they push back. They don't, like, they don't like that idea. They don't like submitting to anything or anyone. And so they push back against it. This is some burden that's placed on us. No, listen, if you know the kindness of Jesus, if you know the wisdom of Jesus, if you know the love of Jesus, you will want Jesus to be your Lord. Be sure of this. This is not a forced thing. Now, it could have been. He could have said, I'm the Lord and you'll treat me as such. He, he could have enforced it that way. You'll submit to me as Lord. But no, listen, here's, here's the point of the verse. We decide to submit or to follow Jesus as Lord or not. Listen to this morning. If we walk with Jesus for his honor, and if we proclaim him to a world that needs him, and if we endure suffering to do it, it will only be with us submitting to Jesus as Lord in our hearts. 
You're going to endure these hardships. You're going to take up this cause. You're going to stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to go against a culture going a different way. If you're going to do those things, if you're going to live for the honor of Christ, it will only be submitting to Christ, to Jesus as Lord in our hearts. Part of this study, and maybe, I don't know, we're going through so many verses so fast, maybe we lose sight of that. Part of this study is that God would stir us up. And I want to tell you, each of you sitting here, my prayer is that God would stir you up. And maybe you don't even want to be stirred up. My prayer is that God would stir you up. And so here we are, and we're being reminded of the truth of the Word of God. And our prayer is, God, stir me up. Don't let me be normal. Well, maybe the place you're in today, your next step is that God would stir you up and help you submit to Jesus as Lord. And so maybe you're sitting here on the 16th day, and maybe you've tried to take back the spot of Lord in your life, and you're trying to run the show in your life, and you're operating according to your wisdom. Maybe you've abandoned the idea of Jesus being the Lord. And so maybe the place where you're at today, maybe where you need to be stirred up, is God, help me establish you, place you as Lord in my life. Listen, the only way you will move forward in God's will is with Jesus as Lord in your life. And you may have good intentions and you'd like to see some great things. The only way you're going to move forward in your walk with Christ, the only way you're going to move forward in God's will is if Jesus is Lord in your life. You make him Lord in your life. It really is the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. All right, back to the verse. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Here we go, moving along. Always being ready. Always being ready. This is continual. At all times, being ready. At all places, in all situations, being ready. Paul says in season and out of season. Listen, you might be get, get caught in the off season at all times, always being ready. Listen, we're to always be ready. Next part. To make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. So much there. To make it a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Now let's look at this. To make a defense is the Greek word apologia. Apologia. It means to give a reasonable response in a verbal defense. Now, I want you to remember that. We're going to come back to that in a second. To make a defense is to give a thoughtful, reasonable, logical response in a verbal defense. It says to everyone who asks you to give an account. All right, let's stop here for a second. To everyone who asks you to give an account. The word account in the original language in Greek means a word of understanding, a word of reasoning. It goes on and says, for the hope that is in you. Okay, let's sort this whole thing out. As a believer, we're really going to work backwards through this section here. As a believer, understand there is a hope 
that is not only known by you, but deeper than that, there is a hope that is in you. Now understand, that's the difference in us, that's in, the, in the rest of the lost world. We have a hope that's not just known by us, but it's also inside of us. Because it is in you, listen to me, it cannot be robbed away. Now, there may be some tough days, but because the hope is in you, it cannot be carted away, cannot be taken away. It literally is a hope in you. So your circumstances in life go bad. People persecute you in life. It does not matter because seated in you is your hope. Now, that hope is in salvation. That hope is in heaven. We were just singing about that. That hope is in glory. Because that hope, listen, is in Jesus. You know what? I know there's a heaven coming. You know what? There, I know there's a day coming when there's no stain of sin. You know what? I know he's with me in these days. You know what? I know I'm saved not of any work that I've done, but in Jesus. You know why? Because our hope is in Jesus. The hope that is in you is Jesus. Earlier we heard about a living hope. All other hopes die and fade away. Not our living hope. The hope in us is Jesus. Now they ask you to give a word of reasoning, a word of understanding about that hope. Here's what they do. They come alongside and say, explain to me your hope. Not, not just, well, you got to take it by faith. Not some answer that you can't understand or make sense of. They say, give me a word of reasoning about that hope. Be ready always to give an account. Now, what that means is there is a reason that we have hope. And that reason is within us. And it's not good luck and it's not lucky breaks. It's not a positive attitude. I hear folks talking about that. It's not a positive attitude. It's not good thoughts. It's not wishful thinking. There is a reason we have a hope in us. And the reason is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see how this is stacking up? The reason is the truth of Jesus. And so stay with me. Watch this. The fact that you can give an account tells us, shows us, that the fact that you can give an account for the hope that's within you shows us is because the gospel is true. And the truth is knowable. And the truth is understandable. And the truth is explainable. We act like the gospel is some goofy, superstitious, unexplainable thing. And that's what we act like. I don't think we'd say that, but we, but we act like it. We think, well, you know what? I can explain science. I can explain math. Not really, I can't. But we can't explain this. You get me a science book and I'll tell you what gravity is. I'll tell you the formula for something. You get the math book and I'll, I'll tell you all those, those formulas as well. We can explain those things, but we can't explain the hope that is within us. Folks, that's what the world has bullied us into believing. You can explain this. You can't explain that. It's not knowable. That's what Satan would like for us to accept. Yeah, listen to me. 
It is not the reality. That's not what Scripture says. We can know the gospel, and the gospel is truth, and the truth will stand, and we can be confident in it. Listen, in all places, no matter who we're talking to, with all audiences, for all people, there is an account, the gospel, that results in a living hope. In the verse, keep working back up above that, it says, to everyone who asks you, to everyone who asks you. Now, this is the tie-in with last night's verses. I keep trying to tell you I'll come every time. There's a reason. This is the tie-in with last night's verses. Here's the deal. When we live in a way that is radically unlike the world. Now, listen, it's not normal. Remember we saw last night, normal is not enough. Nobody wants to hear a radical message from a, a normal person. When we live in a way that's radically unlike the world, eyes see it. Ears open up to it. People become curious. And when we don't strike back, and when we don't insult one another, and when we love each other, and when we're gracious and kind, even when we're not treated that way, when we're radically unlike the world, people's ears open, they're curious. Now back to the word defense. Be prepared to give a defense. Be prepared to give a reasoned response in a verbal defense. That's what it means. Don't miss this. <laughs> At all times, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. You ever heard that? Maybe you got it over your fireplace. Mardell sells them, 1999. <laughs> At all times, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I'm pretty sure that's a bumper sticker, too. At all times, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. It's not how it works, it's not in the Bible. And it is a sissified step down from what God calls us to do. You didn't think you'd hear the word sissified today. Friends, you listen to me today. We speak the gospel. We have to use words. And I want to tell you, brother and sister, we better use good words to make clear the gospel. Because the Bible says it is a verbal defense of the hope that is within us. Today, Satan somehow has scared us to say, There is an account that brings hope. There is a gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And, and Satan scared us to say that so much that we say, you know what, I'll, I'll just live it out. I'm just going to live the gospel. Don't, don't say there's a gospel, a message that is the power of God unto salvation. Don't say that. Instead, just say, you know what, be smug when you say, you know what, I'm just going to live out the gospel. Well, friends, let me tell you something. Number one, your life's not that impressive. Nobody's ever going to watch you and get saved. I can promise you that, looking at me as well. And number two is this. That's not what God has said. Be sure. Listen to me. When we put all this together, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. We live in a way that doesn't disparage the gospel. It does matter how we live. 
It does matter how we live. We have to live in a way that doesn't disparage the gospel. We live in a way that points to Jesus radically so. That's what we've seen. We have to live carefully in a way that doesn't discredit the gospel that we speak. But you listen to me. We do speak. We do speak. So how are we prepared to speak an understandable, logical truth, a knowable truth to someone that has asked you to explain the hope that we have in Jesus. How are we prepared for that? I'm going to tell you there's only one way. And that is this, to be serious in the Word of God. To be serious in the Word of God. It means to love the gospel enough to want to be an expert in the gospel. And I know we love a lot of stuff we love sports, we love this, we love that, and you, we, we can go through the rules, we can say you can't do this and you got to do that. We, we love those things. Listen, this is to love the gospel enough to want to actually be an expert in the gospel. And here's what that means. You're going to have to love lost people enough. You're going to have to become concerned enough. You're going to have to actually believe that those outside of the hearing of the gospel, the reception of the gospel, will go to hell you're going to have to be convinced enough to say, I will be prepared. I will understand the gospel. I will become an expert in the gospel. It's going to be effort. It's going to take work. It's not going to be easy. But you're going to have to say, there, there is a, a reality that's, that's worse than the worst thing of life. The reality of being separated from God for all eternity. And I care enough to know the gospel. That's the command of God. Be prepared to give a verbal defense, to give an account for the hope within you. Let me tell you this. If you're not prepared, you're out of the will of God. That's what he's telling these folks. They need the gospel. They need the good news of Jesus. If you're not prepared you're out of the will of God. Let me say this. Can you imagine if we took this serious? Now listen, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we're all PhD levels. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean we have to have some intimidating stack of books that we can flip through and point to stuff. It doesn't mean that. But what if we actually said, you know what, I want to know why we're saved. I want to know what it means to be saved from something. I want to know why Jesus had to die and shed his own blood. I want to know why it's important that he was born of a virgin. And I want to know these things. And I want to study these things. Can you imagine what we would look like? Can you imagine what our conversations would be like? Can you imagine what we would do with our spare time? Can you imagine the witness that would take place? People would be scared to get around us. They're going to tell me about Jesus again. A couple of weeks ago, Sarah was at school and she was talking to somebody about Christ, about God. Follow God. You can trust God. And some person, young lady, asked her, is God still good if nothing I've ever known of him has been good? And went on to tell some bad things that happened in her life. And I, I heard that, you know, you're sitting there, well, I'll just tell them about Jesus. And somebody says, well, you tell me to follow a good guy. Well, how do I know he's good? Nothing I've ever seen of him is good. Is he still good if nothing I've known of him is good? And I thought about, wow, that's a hard question. Wow, if we're not careful, we just say, well, you know what? You have to talk to somebody else. Maybe you can find a preacher somewhere. She gave him an answer. 
Gave her an answer. Listen, that's what it means. We have to be prepared. Our world's not playing games. Our world's not coming with Mickey Mouse questions. Our world wants to know, is there a hope and is it dependable? Nothing else is. Is there a hope and it's knowable? Nothing else seems to be. They want to know, is there a truth? Can I put my hope in this truth? And the Bible says we got to be prepared. And the way we're prepared is time spent in the word of God. So you know what you do? You start right now. Sometimes I preach these messages and think, well, everybody's going to be mad and go home. Well, I'm not that guy. I'm not that person. Listen, start right now. Start right now. Memorize verses right now. Start to think about it right now. Start right now. Last of the verse says this, yet with gentleness, I love this, this is a very specific word that when you look it up, it translates, we we think gentleness, it's more than that, it is gentle strength, one word, that's what it is, yet with gentle strength, that's how we take the gospel out, we're unbending, There's no other way to be saved but by faith in Jesus. We're uncompromising. We're ungiving on the truth. And yet we're gentle and kind and compassionate and concerned. It says with reverence. And so here we come, and it's gentle strength. We're going to be firm. We're not going to be him, but we're going to be gentle. And reverence means with respect for them and humility seeing us. Listen to this. Be sure the answer they need, no matter who they are. And listen, you can put people, you can make a group right there. People you you don't like, people you don't understand, people that are, man, they're into crazy stuff, people into stuff. Just the answer they need, no matter who they are, is the answer you need. And without that answer, let me tell you about you, you're just like them. Oh, no, no, not me. No, they, no. do you know their heart? Do you know what they do? Do you know their family? Do you know why we reject them? Listen, the answer you have is the answer they need, and you, apart from that answer, you're no different than them. There is no place for pride. It's the good news for you. It's the good news for them. And so in love, in love, follower of Jesus Christ, here's what we do. We bring them the answer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, we're thankful for today. We're thankful for what we've seen today. We're thankful for what we heard today. We're thankful for your truth that guides us today. Lord, that, that probably convicts us today. Lord, I pray that we would become convinced that there is a world that is lost, that is suffering, that outside of you will suffer for eternity. Some in our workplaces, some in our streets, some in our our offices, some in our schools, some in our families, some in our homes. Lord, help us to be prepared to give a defense for the hope, the true hope that is within us. Help us to do it in love and gentleness and with no pride. Lord, and then I pray that that would bear fruit. Lord, I pray as we leave here that we would think about it. I pray as we sleep tonight, we would be concerned about it. 
I pray as we wake up tomorrow, we would see lost people with a, with a different set of eyes. And we would go to work, Lord, preparing the defense, preparing the defense, ready and able to give an account. And Lord, then I end this by saying this. I am thankful that there is an account to give. I'm thankful that there's a Savior that's gracious and kind to us and to me. And I praise you for that. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, there is an account to give. Let me give you a quick rundown as we wrap up today. We've sinned, all of us. Our problem, the problem in the world is sin. Your problem is sin. We've sinned. In sin, we've rejected God. We've, re we've rebelled against the holy God. In sin, we have broken our relationship with God. In sin, we've earned a punishment. The Bible says the punishment is death. If we die in that state, the book of Revelation calls it the second death, separation from God for all eternity. Listen, you have sinned and I've sinned, and we've earned a punishment. Sometimes in our world today, we like to talk about who's responsible for that. Maybe it's my parents, maybe it's my environment, and I didn't have any choice in how I turned out. Listen, I'm responsible for my sin. You're responsible for your sin. It's yours, it's mine. We've earned our punishment. It wasn't somebody else's, it's mine. But I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. We have a gracious God. We have a loving God, a kind God. And he sees us in our sin. He sees us toiling in our sin. He sees us suffering in our sin. He sees us perishing in our sin. And in great love, he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. The book of Galatians says, in the fullness of time, at the right time, he's born. Born of a woman that he might save people, men. Fully God, the Savior. He comes, he lives a life, he never sins. Because he never sins, he's the Lamb of God, perfect, able to carry our sins to the cross, able to pay for them. Had he sinned, he would have to pay for them himself. He never sinned. He goes to the cross of Calvary. And there he's stretched out, he's nailed to the cross. He dies, my penalty, your penalty, paying our penalty in death. His blood runs out. With the payment paid, with it finished in Jesus, with nothing left undone, they take him, they put him in a grave. He is dead. Three days later, he walks out of that grave. He's alive. He stands as the risen lamb. He stands as the risen king, the Lord. The Bible says this, that was for us. The payment was made. By faith, we received that payment. Here's what that means. It's meaning this. There has to be a day that you say, you know what, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry, my sin is mine. I'm sorry for it. I'm sick of it. Lord, I know I can't do anything about it. I've tried and I've tried. But I see that you've settled it in the person of Jesus. And so I turn to you and I trust you as the Savior for sinners, the remedy for sin. My hope is in you. The Bible says when we do that, we profess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. Jesus is Lord. We trust him as Savior. The Bible says this, we are saved. Nothing left to do. We are saved. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what we have in Jesus. That is the answer. Listen, if you've never received that today, it's available to you right now. And maybe you say, I've never heard it like that. Maybe you say, I've heard it a million times, but I've never made it personal. My heart. Today, the chance is this. Turn to him. Trust him. He'll save you today. His grace is offered to you today. Now listen, the second part of that is this. If you have done that, do you understand how marvelous that is? Do you understand how amazing that is? My penalty's paid. My death has died in Jesus. 
and I can stand wearing the righteousness of Jesus. You know what? Our duty is this. Tell somebody else. Tell somebody else. Tell somebody else. We're going to close with a hymn of invitation. Listen, if God is speaking to you, if you want more information, you come. Do not leave here without that settled. Settle that today. If you're here and you, you've made a decision but never fought in believers' baptisms, we saw these folks this morning. You come. It'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve his cause, holding up his gospel. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, my response today is, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to give the Lordship back to you. I've tried to take it back. I've tried to run things and I've made a mess of things. Maybe your response is, say, God, I'm giving you Lordship today, giving it back to you. Help me in that. And then maybe your response is this, let me be bold. Let me have an eternal purpose in telling people the answer we have in Jesus. We're going to stand to sing. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.